for tuning in to What Girls Want. I am your host, Olaolua Bagun, but you can call me Ola. <laughs> That's what everyone calls me. Across the African continent, menstruation remains covered in shame, ignorance, and misconceptions. This really negatively impacts the dignity, education, and health of people who menstruate. Many of them are isolated when menstruating, subjected to harmful cultural and religious practices, and stigma. Joining me in this conversation are the amazing Ntabeleng Sekale from Lesotho and Robina Babirie from Uganda. Both Ntabeleng and Robina are some of Athena's lovely What Girls Want focal points in Eastern and Southern Africa. I'm excited to learn about how adolescent girls, young women, and gender diverse people are advocating for menstrual health management and hygiene, particularly as part of COVID-19 response and recovery effort. So I'll turn to you now, Ntabeleng and Robina. Please introduce yourselves. Thank you so much, Ola. I'm very excited to be part of this conversation because it's my passion. Like you said, my name is Ntabeleng Tekale. I am the What Girls Want Athena Fuka Point based in Lesotho. And I am working with the organization called the Social Network of Aid Service Organizations. I have been passionate about menstrual health and hygiene since I was, I think the passion uh, showed itself clearly when I was in, in tertiary because of the circumstances and the situations that I went through as a young woman who was raised by a single father. The experiences that I had uh, during that time when I have to first disclose to my dad that I'm, I'm seeing blood and all that, how I've seen people take menstruation, how girls have been treated because of menstrual blood and the different situations they have to go through because of lack of sanitary towels. It triggered something in me that something has to be done so that people are aware that this is not a bad thing. It's actually a very beautiful thing to be happening in a in a girl's life and it has to be prioritized so that money has to be put aside to cater for this menstrual blood that is so beautiful and natural and it's something that we as women we pride ourselves in wow look at you dropping nuggets menstruation is really beautiful and natural right so i'll turn to you now robina thank you so much ola um my name is robina babidye I'm from Uganda. I'm a woman, young woman living with HIV, a young mother, a mother of one, a beautiful baby boy. I will also not differ from my colleague and Tabalim, basing on uh, the experience that I've been having, you know, you grow up and your mom always tells you almost everything. One thing that I learned from her was that menstruation is normal. It's part of life. It's part of a woman's life. And we just need to love it and appreciate it. Thank you both, Robina. And thank you once again, Tabeleng. I think that you've both started the conversation on a really interesting note. And I just want to jump right into it and discuss the topic of menstrual hygiene. We hear about menstrual hygiene a lot whenever we're talking about menstruation or periods, as it's more popularly called. Why do you think that proper hygiene is really important during menstruation. Thank you so much, Ola. I think proper hygiene is really, really important when it comes to menstruation because one, we are very, I would say, our private parts are very sensitive to that and um, other infections. If we don't 
clean ourselves very well. I think the chances of, um, you know, having infection are quite high. The people around us also, I, I would say, contribute to what they call proper hygiene. For example, if I am in the village and I, I live with my grandmother and my grandmother is poor, maybe she cannot access water, we cannot access clean water, that will be a problem on my end because if I cannot access clean water, then definitely I will not clean myself well. And if I'm going through menstruation, it will be kind of a challenge on my end. Thank you so much, Robina. That's really insightful. Mfabeling? Menstrual hygiene is important not only to ourselves as the menstruators, but to the environment that we live in. It's a good thing for our health as the menstruators because uh, there are some infections, bacterial infections that uh, may take place if we don't observe proper hygiene during menstruation, like the one which is very it's very dangerous, but at least it is curable, which is the urinary tract infection that happens if maybe somebody is using pads more than six hours on repeated uh, times so that the bacteria takes advantage and it will infect urinary tract. Uh, if we don't know how well we can dispose menstrual materials after using, obviously we're going to be throwing them anywhere and if maybe it drains, it goes to the water streams in the in the community and so many infections that are going to be contaminating our, our, our streams, which is going to be affecting the community. Wow. I really like that both of you have spoken to the wider environmental and community impact of menstruation. And that's really interesting. Another thing that is quite interesting is the fact that every year, We've earmarked a particular day, which is the 28th of May, to commemorate World Menstrual Hygiene Day. And I, I know that some people might hear about that or uh, think about that, say, you know, much ado about menstruation. Why do we have to do that every single year? Why do we have to commemorate Menstrual Hygiene Day? So I'd really like you both to speak a little bit and share some insight around why you think it's important for us to commemorate Menstrual Hygiene Day every year? And uh, I'll pass the mic back to you, Ntabeling. For me, it is the day where we, we come together as advocates. We bring our voices together. We make a meaningful noise. We are raising awareness that this is the natural process we go through, it is not a taboo. And we deal away with the negative social norms that are around this, that are making women and girls feel like it's a thing for them to be going uh, through menstruation. It was so good to see your advocate side come to life. <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed listening to you. Thank you so much for shedding light on that. Rabina, do you want to add your thoughts? Uh, why do we have Menstrual Hygiene Day every year? The question is, why do we have menstrual hygiene day? And I'm going to say, why not? <laughs> it's not about just creating a day and celebrating a menstrual hygiene day. It's, it's a day to really like let the uh, world know that menstruation is like me wearing a panty. <laughs> it's the same thing. Menstruation happens every month and people have to like, you know, just appreciate that this is something that happens to girls and women. And it's something that uh, shouldn't be attached to something. For example, in Uganda, um, we have a culture where 
people believe that when a girl starts menstruating, definitely that is they are ready for marriage. They are they are in their reproductive age and you know they are going to get married soon. So they they, they start you know looking for brides. I mean for bridegrooms for them and um, they start engaging them you know into other sexual activities. And it's not the case. It's, it should be considered something like a, a part of the cycle, the life cycle of a, of a, of a woman. And I, I want to even just um, link it to just a woman, but also a man, because if we are not supporting the boys and men to help us out here, then we are doing nothing. So we need to let people know and let the men understand that when a girl is in their menstruation, then it doesn't mean that they are really ready for sex or they are they are free from getting pregnant or they, they can easily be married off. We need people or the community or the world to really understand that it's not just about blood coming out of our private parts, but it is about us and loving our bodies and appreciating the cycle that happens in the system of our bodies as women, as girls. And we want also uh, governments, private sectors, name it. We want them to also appreciate that we have challenges. It might seem like it is a small issue, but it is a very big issue when it comes to the life of a, a, an adolescent girl. They need to really invest in, in seeing that services for girls, especially um, availability of, of these menstrual products, is there, is free, is, is accessible without necessarily having girls dropping out of school because they're being bullied, because they're having blood on their skirts, without having women being battered because of, you know, being beaten to death because they are having blood, and without people drawing to conclusions that whoever has blood has an illness. So it's the day for us to really, like, you know, just change the mindset, the attitude of community not just here locally, but also globally, for people to really understand and appreciate that menstruation, as much as it is just menstruation, but we also have challenges that we need to deal with. Wow, that's really, really insightful from both of you. And I love that you're already sort of highlighting those challenges and those sociocultural beliefs that sometimes affect people who menstruate. Uh, but I'm just going to zoom into that a little bit. I know we're already, you know, heading into that zone. But if we could just shed more light on our local context a little bit and share some of the well-known cultural beliefs or restrictions that people face during menstruation and why these sociocultural beliefs and practices need to be challenged. Rabina? I think I think the sociocultural practices are, I think, one of the biggest factors that have led to girls dropping out of school and some wanting to find ways of uh, not menstruating. In my, on my end, or in Uganda, we have a one where a girl who is believed to be menstruating, to be ready for marriage. I think I've just addressed that. And, and, and when a girl is menstruating, a family or the parents will always feel that she's ready and once she has blood, is a fully grown woman and it doesn't matter. So she will really be there and you know, be ready for marriage. And then maybe the other thing is we find it mostly in um, amongst the young people who associate menstruation to being maybe a method of controlling or of preventing pregnancy. And then we see that there are so many um, young people 
engaging into sexual activity, into sex with this mindset that if you are in your period, you will not be pregnant. And we have seen so many girls falling out, you know, by being pregnant. And then they say, I wish I had known. So we don't want uh, girls, adolescent girls and young women uh, being taken advantage of because of a natural process that happens in their life. It's peculiar for community to really start now attaching menstruation to being able to give your daughter out for marriage, however young she might look, or associating it to not being pregnant because you want to engage into sexual activity. And that is really wrong. I think as as Africans, we seem to have <laughs> more or less similar cultural beliefs and norms. Uh, I want to add. So some of the of these beliefs are that uh if you are a woman and it's during your period, it is believed that because of the of the mystery of the menstrual blood that is coming now, anything you touch, you might destroy it. Or maybe if it's some a, a medication that is in the house. <laughs> so it is in the sense that in our culture, uh, our parents and our relatives have the, the, the traditional medicines that they use especially when the seasons begin to maybe protect the household from lightning or maybe witchcrafts and whatnot. So it is believed that if a woman or a girl can move around during menstruation, they are going to cause those uh, traditional herbs to expire and lose power. Or the other one that has been famous is that uh, women and girls have had to sit in their house where you sit on top of the cow down so that it is the one that is going to be absorbing, absorbing your menstrual blood. For you not to stain yourself, you have to sit there on, on the cow down. But I don't think it's a culture that is it's hygienic or appropriate because we live in the era where we advocate for a menstrual hygiene where we have to supply sanitary towels and sanitary, other sanitary uh, products or menstrual products was to uh, comfortably and securely and confidently collect our menstrual blood every month. you know, sharing those real stories and examples of sociocultural beliefs around menstruation. And it was just really interesting to see how menstruation in itself and those sociocultural beliefs are really linked to broader gender norms that no longer serve us in today's world, you know? And I believe that as advocates, as we continue to challenge some of these norms and some of these social beliefs, it's important for us to critically look at how we frame menstruation beyond its impact on adolescent girls and women. We also need to understand and, you know, take cognizance of the fact that there are gender diverse people who also menstruate. And I remember that one of you also mentioned the need for men and boys to be engaged in conversations around menstruation. And it's really important for us to think intersectionally when we frame ideas and solutions around menstruation so that we understand that it impacts on everyone beyond adolescent girls, beyond women. Menstruation is a phenomenon that really affects everyone. Oh.
the current reality where we're living through a global pandemic. And it's been on for a few years now, you know, beginning with the lockdowns, physical distancing, socioeconomic restrictions. Almost everything has been affected, if not everything, our health systems, how resources are distributed. How would you both describe the impact of the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, on menstrual health and hygiene for those who menstruate and how it has also affected your advocacy work around menstruation in both Eastern and Southern Africa. I'll turn to you, Interbeleng. This uh, question is is very interesting because uh, the effects of, of COVID-19, we're still experiencing them even currently. And I always tell people wherever I, I advocate that Whatever pandemic that comes, women and girls are going to be affected twice as much as other people can be. And it's even so unfortunate for people who live in, in lesser resource countries because the situation becomes really overwhelming. So COVID-19 has seen so many girls uh, frustrated because of lack of sanitary materials, because of the a prices hike that we saw during this time. And this is when we're going to resort to unhygienic ways to collect our menstrual blood or maybe push to uh, be involved in risky behaviors so that we have money that is going to buy this menstrual product. The other uh, challenge that uh, we have is that now um, adults and girls and young women we're maybe in schools and it is easy when we are in schools because we have friends around, we have our teachers that are going to be able to borrow us some sanitary towels maybe when we don't have. But now that uh, because of the lockdowns and the movement restrictions, we had to be home and where you are now finding yourself with your parents that are no longer waking and then there's competition of needs now. Instead of buying sanitary towels, it, it's no, we have to buy mini meal to have something to eat. And as an advocate, I had to scale up the way I'm doing advocacy. So this is when we really saw that it is important to advocate for free sanitary towels uh, in the rural places, at schools, when the schools go back, because we understand this is not our choice. Like uh, Robina said, it's like briefing. I had to scale up my, my advocacy strategies and had to collaborate with other advocates, sister organizations, and write letters like I've been doing even now. I've just written a letter asking for help to three offices in the country. I had to see that I'm not doing this alone. We collaborate to make a more meaningful noise on advocacy of this. Thank you, Tabeleng. I absolutely enjoyed listening to all of that. And well done on all your efforts uh, that you continue to make, despite the fact that things have changed a lot, resources are limited. But I love how you said we'll keep making meaningful noise. Ravina, please tell us a little bit, you know, in your context, how has COVID affected menstrual hygiene, uh, menstrual health, and even your work as an advocate around menstruation? COVID-19, the pandemic itself just, I think, was a shock for everyone. I mean, it was a shock from national level up to the communities down at the grassroots. And it kind of like uh, affected each and every one in their own way. But one thing I just want to point out, like in the context of menstrual hygiene, we 
realized that we were doing really bad when it came to accessibility of of menstrual products and uh, it was not what we really expected so the organization that I'm working with really um, we tried our best to really like purchase food and uh, you know food relief and and some of the things that we really purchased were pads we had an issue of um lockdown of uh, transport the lockdown of offices and um, some of these offices were really affected. For example, Reproductive Health Uganda, um, offices were locked. And Reproductive Health Uganda, I'm giving an example because it, it offers a lot of sexual reproductive health um, services. And um, some of these organizations, the, the fact that there was a lockdown, could not really do what they call service provision. And um, so many girls and other gender diverse people really had an issue when it came to accessibility of menstrual hygiene products and services. So we realized that some girls were using sand, others were using leaves, others were using um, banana fibers, and it was it was so terrible. It was really out of our hands. We, we didn't know what to do because the pandemic came and hit us unexpectedly, and it was really challenging. We could not talk to anyone because of the lockdown of the internet. What made it worse was that so many adolescent girls and young women needed help. And of course, if you needed support or any service, you had to go through the state government's personnel who would give you a letter to just allow you to move. Imagine in your own country. And we found that there were some um, mothers who had just delivered and they didn't like access to these um, pads and they had nowhere to get them because of the lockdown. It, it was a challenge for me, not being able to reach the community that I work with. Wow. Thank you both for sharing all of those realities. I mean, it's really disheartening to hear some of those realities, especially during the lockdown when the pandemic hit us the hardest. But I guess I'm, I'm just really inspired by the fact that you, Athena Network, Focal Point, and in fact, other young people you know, around Africa doing their best to ensure that communities remain supported, that this topic of menstrual hygiene and menstrual health management remains at the top of the agenda. I think it would be great before we end this conversation to share one thing that you think should happen to improve menstrual health and hygiene management. We're still living through a pandemic. The pandemic is not over. Communities are beginning to open up more. Travel is, you know, a little bit easier and all of that. Economic activities are picking up. But the reality is that we're still trying to respond to the pandemic. We're still building our resilience. So as we do that, what's that one thing that you both feel needs to happen to keep menstrual health management and hygiene at the top and improve, you know, some of these realities that are not so great. Uh, Rabina, I'll turn to you. One thing that I, I want to see happen, just like we are advocating for like, you know, sexual reproductive health and, you know, rights. I think we should also make this a priority in the lives of adolescent girls and young women and non-gender conforming people. The other thing is maybe call upon different governments, especially in Africa, different governments to really prioritize uh, menstrual health products. Now that we are in a pandemic a period, there are so many people who have been laid off work, so many girls are out of school because of lack of menstrual health products and lack of menstrual hygiene management. They cannot access products like pads, you know, those menstrual health products. And they cannot also go to school because they, they fear to be bullied, to be laughed at. But also um, 
support or resource initiatives or campaigns that boost menstrual health management so that girls could feel that they are not alone in this. Communities shouldn't also feel that menstruating is is the initiation of getting pregnant or having children or being ready for marriage. Men have to be educated to provide gender-sensitive and friendly environment for girls at homes and schools at workplaces so that they provide a supportive environment, not a judgmental, discriminatory um, environment where we're going to feel like it is a curse for us to be having menstruation, yet it is such a blessing to the whole world. Wow. Thank you both. It's been a really insightful conversation. Thank you for making our time to have this discussion. And I really look forward to talking to you another time. Thank you to the team and our lovely guests, Ntabeleng Sekale and Robina Babiri. Thank you for listening as well. Today, we talked about why we commemorate Menstrual Hygiene Day every year, examples of sociocultural beliefs around menstruation that need to be challenged, and key actions that we need to improve menstrual health and hygiene management. This episode is hosted by me, Olaoluwa Abagun, co-produced by Mamelo Sajake and myself, edited and mixed by Andile Nsomi, and brought to you by Athena Network. Please listen, subscribe, and share our podcast with your community. We're on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Join me on our next episode, where I'll be in conversation about sexuality education, gender equality, gender fluidity, and LGBTQI plus rights. Bye. Talk to you soon. <laughs>